This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and thank you for joining me as always. The NFL Draft is in the books. If you missed any of our coverage here at Saturday to Sunday, please check out the three recap podcasts recapping night one, recapping day two, and recapping day three. You could also check out the round one live stream, a football guy show where I joined Sig Bloom and Matt Wallman for the first hour and a half of round one. On my Twitter feed is my thoughts on every single pick from number one to number 259 as well. But here tonight, we're talking dynasty rookie rankings. I know some people's drafts literally start the day or two right after the NFL draft. So I put together my initial ranks. I'm going to share it with you guys here on the podcast. If you are checking out on YouTube, you see the screenshot of that. I'm also going to put out that image on uh Twitter as well today also. So let's kind of get right into it here and and start talking about it. And let's start at the quarterback position. My ranks start with Anthony Richardson, number one, who went to the Indianapolis Colts. Number two, Bryce Young, uh, you know, who went to Carolina. Number three, CJ Stroud, who went to the Houston Texans. Number three, uh, Number four, I should say, Will Levis, who went to the Titans early round two. Number five, Hendon Hooker, who went to Detroit in round three. Then I have number six, Jaron Hall, who went to Minnesota. I just think the path for Hall getting an opportunity might be a little bit earlier than some of these other guys. Jake Hayner, number seven, went to the Saints. Stetson Bennett, number eight, uh, eight who went to the Rams. Number nine, Aiden O'Connell, went to the Las Vegas. Number 10, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, went to Cleveland. Number 11, Clayton Toon, went to... Uh, Arizona, number 12, Tanner McGee to Philadelphia, number 13, Max Dugan to the Chargers, and number 14, Sean Clifford to Green Bay. I I, I don't see the, I still don't understand the, the Sean Clifford pick at all. But to me, I don't think there's a lot of difficulty in the quarterback ranks. I don't see any scenario where you could not have Anthony Richardson as your QB1 in Dynasty rookie ranking. I just, I just don't see it. The He's got literally Lamar Jackson, Cam Newton, Jalen Hurts like upside. Does he get there? We'll see. But he, that's the upside he offers. Well, a guy like Bryce Young, I think, can be a really good player. Maybe he can be a QB1. But I think if he is, we're talking about a guy who maybe is like in that QB7 to QB12 range. I don't see a scenario Bryce Young is a top five fantasy quarterback. And the same thing can be said about CJ Shroud. I think his ceiling might be somewhere in that like 8 to 12 range if everything clicks. Uh, Will Levis ahead of, of Hendon Hooker just based on – uh, the opportunity. I think Will Levis will get his opportunity very quickly. I do not know when Hendon Hooker will. Injury, Jared Goff being there. Uh, will Levis will get his opportunity sooner rather than later, and he's got a lot higher draft capital than Hendon Hooker. The other guys, to me, are all late-round flyers. If somebody wants to re-rank Hall, Hayner, Bennett, O'Connell in any way, those four guys all don't have a path based on the quarterbacks that are there that maybe they can get an opportunity at some point. We'll see. I, if Thorin Thompson Robinson ended up in a better situation, not behind Deshaun Watson in that contract there, I would be much higher on Dorian Thompson Robinson because I think fantasy wise, he probably has the sixth highest upside of anybody here uh, after the big five guys for sure. Uh, if we take this over to the running backs, I don't think there's a lot of uncertainty at the top. Uh, 
obviously B. John Robinson one. Uh, number two, Jameer Gibbs. I do think some uncertainty starts right at number three, though, because the guys that got the the draft capital, you know, Zach Charbonnet got the draft capital, but I mean, the landing spot is atrocious. I think I don't. I, I wasn't even a Zach Charbonnet fan before the draft. I had him as number eleven on my pre-draft film ranks. And even now I think I'm too high on him. I just, but, but he has the capital. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a very tough thing. Like how much are they going to split the workload there? Are they trying to create a one, two, a one, a one B, or is it a clear one? And then two, you don't usually draft the guy in the middle of second round and, and don't want to give him a heavy workload. And the, the incumbent is a guy who they just drafted to the top of second round last year. So I don't know what to make of it yet. So there's definitely some movement that can come when we maybe get a clearer picture of what Seattle's plans might be there. Uh, but for me, I have Kendrick Miller, number three and Devin H.A. number four. For me, Kendry Miller, I think, has more capabilities to be a three down back at the next level. I like his complete package. And I don't think Alvin Kamara is going to be a member of the Saints for that long. I think there's a real possibility he serves a six-game suspension this year. I think there's a real possibility this is the last year he's in New Orleans. So when you tie into all those factors, I could see a scenario where Kendry Miller gets an opportunity sooner rather than later to beat a starter, to have a three down workload, potentially whatever that means in today's NFL, still probably only 60% of the, of the workload. But I do think there's a scenario where he can get that opportunity. Devin A. Chain, I don't think he's ever going to be the bell cow. I think Miami is always going to want to stable the running backs, just like San Francisco had Mike McDaniels coming from San Francisco. But I mean, the big playability that Devin A. Chain offers is what has me so intrigued with that. He, if he gets, if he ever works his way to getting 12 to 15 touches a game, they can be highly impactful touches. And, and he's just the big playability is what makes me really intrigued by him. So I got Kendrick Miller three, A chain four. I already talked about Charbonnet at five, and that's more of just a draft capital thing and wait and see. Uh, number six, Tank Bigsby, another guy who went in round three, but. You know, there's Travis Ethy in there, another young player. Now, I do think that's a scenario. See, that's the difference with that scenario compared to the other scenario. I have Charbonnet ahead of him because of the draft capital. But Tank Bigsby has got decent draft capital as a late-round free guy. But I can see a scenario where they want that to be more of an even timeshare and Bigsby get the work the, the, the work inside the goal line uh, to kind of preserve Ethan a little bit. So I think that's a really interesting landing spot for Tank Bigsby. I see a much better, a much more realistic scenario that Bigsby and Ethan form an even timeshare than I do Charbonnet and Kenneth Walker. Like that's why I have such a hard time with that. Uh, but based on draft capital mid-second round to late round three, that is a significant difference in draft capital for running backs. So right now I have Charbonnet five, Bigsby six. If someone says I want to flip them, I get it. But right now I can't put Charbonnet ahead of Kendra Miller and Devin A-Chain, who I really, really like uh, those landing spots. So we'll see. Number seven, I have Roshan Johnson. Yeah, he didn't go in, in uh, he doesn't have day two draft capital, but he has early day three draft capital. We saw guys like Damian Pierce, you know, really shine with that type of draft capital. And I, I like Khalil Herbert, the player, but I don't think he's, I, I think he's a guy who's a part of a committee. I think Roshan Johnson could quickly develop into being by the end, by the middle of the year, by the end of the year, by year two, the lead uh, as a part of a committee there. I really like his three down skill set, his play strength, his toughness. I think he's got receiving capabilities. He's got some quickness to him. I think him and Khalil Herbert form a nice one, two duo, but this year Dante Foreman's in the mix also. So I think that's why Roshan Johnson, it could be a little bit of a slow start, but I think long-term I like his upside. And I think he develops into the lead of that committee. So he's number seven for me. 
Ty J Spears is a really hard one to rank because he went to the Titans. Are they keeping Derrick Henry for this year? Probably. Is there a scenario where they could trade him during the season? I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility, right? If the Titans are struggling, if they're out of the playoff hunt, I could see a, a contending team trading a third or a fourth round pick for Derrick Henry for the stretch run. But then the other wild card is, while I love the talent of Tajay Spears, it's, they were talking on the draft content that he really could be a a one contract type of guy. You know, they they mentioned like Jay Ajayi in the scenario that played out that played out there. So I think I think Jay Ajayi could be could be that scenario as well. Uh, he's got no cartilage or uh, one knee doesn't have an ACL. So I think there's a lot of worrisome there with Ty J Spears. Uh, but again, does have round redraft capital, which obviously is interesting. So uh, he's comes in at number eight for me, Chase Brown. Number nine uh, to the Bengals. Interesting landing spot because we don't know what Joe Mixon's status is, right? We don't know. It's an uncertainty, and they don't got anything else right now. You know, they they lost some IJP run free agency. Chase Brown's a big time back. He can step in there and, and be a starter if he needs to be, but we don't know. But that's what makes him number nine for me ahead of who I have at number 10, which is Eric Gray, who went to the Giants. Obviously, anyone who's been listening to this show long enough knows how big of a fan I am of Eric Gray. Uh, the status there is very similar, right? I was under the impression that maybe this was going to be Saquon's last year. Post-draft, it came out that they kind of had some talks with Saquon's representation you know, earlier this week and said they were going to reconvene maybe after the draft and try to work something out. If Saquon's group... Uh, representation comes down a little bit and kind of realizes what the market's out there and the Giants sign Saquon to a three or four year deal. Not that it means he's going to be there three or four years, but if they sign him to a, say a four year deal or a three year deal, he's probably going to be there for two. So then we're talking about two more years of Saquon being the guy. I think Eric Gray could be the backup, but if that's the case, well then, you know, with, by the time Saquon's contract runs out, maybe the Giants make another investment, right? Then, then we're getting into the whole Alexander Madison, you know, and Dalvin Cook thing. And we waited and we waited and we waited. And then Dalvin Cook never left. And maybe now he's going to be a traitor or something, but we don't know. So I, I do think it's an interesting scenario, but I like Eric Gray. If Saquon was on his last year of his contract and they can't come to an agreement, just like Derrick Henry, he becomes a trade candidate if for some reason the Giants season isn't going as planned. So if Eric Gray, if next year Saquon wasn't on the team, do I see a scenario where Eric Gray could be the starter or the lead of a committee? I do. I really do see that scenario. I think that he's got that type of talent. But right now it's an uncertainty. And if Saquon signs a long-term deal, I think that hurts his value a little bit. I don't think it hurts his value in the running back ranks because after this, there's not much. But I think maybe collectively in the big board, maybe it hurts his value a little bit. But right now, Chase Brown and Eric Gray are really two intriguing picks because we just don't know the status on Mixon and Saquon, obviously for very different reasons, whether or not they will be with their team this year or long-term. Saquon will be with the team this year. At some point, he'll sign. I don't think he's going to hold out. Uh, if he has to sign the franchise tag, I think he will. But we just don't know about the this year for Mixon or the long-term uh, viability of, of those two in the locations where they are right now. Uh, number 11, Israel Avocanda went to the Jets in the fifth round. I do see a scenario where maybe they think he can be to come the backup uh, and add something different to that offense behind Brees Hall. I think they've kind of soured on Michael Carter a little bit. We saw Zonovan Knight uh, play pretty well last year as well. We interesting to kind of see if they're an odd man out 
uh, from Zonovan Knight or Michael Carter, or do they keep all four of them on the roster? Number 12, I have Zach Evans. I, while he was a seventh round pick, I am intrigued with the landing spot. They were very sour on Cam Akers, Cam Akers last year, so we're not really sure how that's going to play itself out. And I do like the talent of Zach Evans. 13, Evan Hall went to the Colts. He could carve out a role there behind Jonathan Taylor, but I mean, Jonathan Taylor is going to be locked in for a while there. So I don't think there's really any starter upside there for Evan Hall ever. If we keep this going, uh, and go to, uh, the next guy on my list, 14, Dwayne McBride. Uh, listen, the interesting thing is a seventh round pick, right? But the interesting aspect of him is we don't know the situation with Dalvin Cook. If Dwayne McBride was to give an opportunity, there were a lot of people who thought he had round late round three, early round four draft capital, falls to round seven. It doesn't offer much and doesn't offer anything in the passing game, but a really good runner uh, could be effective there for sure. If we take this number 15 is Deuce Vaughn. I think he could have some PPR value in terms of being a change of pace type running back and maybe a third down back who catches the ball out of the backfield. I love him, but obviously the size restrictions, I don't think he's ever going to be a guy who handles the heavy workload that's impactful for fantasy <coughs> in terms of his running capabilities. Chris Rodriguez, number 16, went to Washington. To me, he's very much similar to Brian Robinson, but they but Brian Robinson's got the draft capital uh, from last year, round three, still have Antonio Gibson there. So Rodriguez uh, kind of got to work his way up there and, and see if he can carve out a role. Kenny McIntosh, number 17, he's going to be a, a receiving third down type back for Seattle. But I mean, he's buried behind, you know, obviously Kent Walker. And we talked about they also drafted Zach Charbonnet. So it might even be a struggle for McIntosh to make the roster. But if he does, it's going to be his pass catching ability for sure. And then 18, Lou Nichols. Uh, went to Green Bay. To me, he's an early down, tough physical runner between the tackles. Maybe he could eventually carve out a role as a special team guy in the third or fourth running back there. So those are my running back ranks. If we take this over to the wide receivers, okay, up at the top, number one is Jackson Smith Najigba, who ended up in Seattle. Obviously, for a produces a really great offense, but I mean, for the next couple years, I mean, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are, are, I'm not talking about maybe targets, maybe JSN could eventually work his way into the getting more targets, but in terms of production, yards, touchdowns, I think it's going to be hard for him to leapfrog either of those two established guys in Seattle's offense right now. And we know how much they like to run the ball. I mean, for God's sakes, they just took a running back back to back years in the, in the early to mid second round. So it's an interesting scenario there. They just have a lot of weapons in the passing game. They love to run the ball. So it, it's an interesting dynamic there, but I, but this is more of just a bet on talent for, for the player. Jackson Jigbo was my clear number one wide receiver based on talent. So right now he's up at the top, but I don't think his opportunity is as good as some of the other guys underneath him here. Number two is Jordan Addison. Uh, he has the ability to step right in there and be the number two option, uh, Number three, if you want to say TJ Hawkinson, definitely the number two wide receiver option in that Vikings offense after Justin Jefferson, maybe number three overall with TJ Hawkinson. Number three, Zay Flowers. And listen, Baltimore's going to be a unique scenario, right? Have they completely soured on Rashad Bateman or do they still see a scenario where he's a, a, a piece there, a significant piece? They signed Odell. Like, what does he have left in the tank? So there's scenarios where Zay Flowers can be option four wide receiver three in terms of 
you know, opportunity, you know, if, if, if OBJ is healthy and Bateman is still a big part of their plans. And obviously Mark Andrews is basically like a receiver for them. So their scenario is there, but the other scenario is OBJ is not the same player he once was. Bateman is not really looked at as a part of a major piece there. And Zay Flowers legitimately within a year can be the wide receiver one there and maybe the second in targets behind Mark Andrews. So that's why, you know, that's where I have him where I have him. And number four, I have Quinton Johnson. My thoughts on Quinton Johnson are well known. I, I don't love the player. Uh, he was my number six pre-draft wide receiver, but he ends up in a good situation, you know, with Justin Herbert as his quarterback and round one draft capital. So, I mean, he, he belongs where I have him based on that before we start going into the round two guys. Uh, but there are some guys on day two that I am intrigued with. Number five, I have Jonathan Mingo, that Carolina Panthers depth chart wide open. Uh, Adam Thielen is not the same player he used to be. DJ Chark is not, is, you know, we, we remember DJ Chark for that one breakout year. There's a scenario where sooner rather than later, Jonathan Mingo is the best wide receiver on the Panthers. Now I'm sure they will continue to add pieces in future off seasons. Uh, but John Domingo is a guy you can get the ball in his hands and he can get a lot of early looks and early touches that way because of his, his yak ability, his rack ability, his play strength, physicality, and toughness. So John Domingo, number five, uh, number six, and, and John Domingo did have early, early, uh, round two draft capital, uh, Next up is Josh Downs, one of my favorites. He was number three for me pre-draft. I think he ends up in a perfect landing spot. I wasn't a big Alec Pierce guy. Uh, Michael Pittman, I think, is very good. I don't think he's great. Like some people wanted to kind of pencil him in for. I think Josh Downs steps in and his immediate slot option and could become Anthony Richards' favorite target within two years, let's say. Uh, I don't think that's an unrealistic scenario. The, the downside and the concern is... What does the offense look like for the first couple of years for Anthony Richardson? Is it, you know, is it build, you know, off of his athleticism early on and pick and choose the spots? Uh, my guess is that's what it's going to be like, especially with Jonathan Taylor, especially with the upside and rushing ability of Anthony Richardson. So I just don't know if they're going to have the pass volume. If Josh Downs is going to be an impactful fantasy player, to me, he's got to do it with high volume, right? 90, 95 catches out of the slot. Is that reasonable or or possible? I'm not sure. I think that's a legit question mark. But but to me, after the top five, you can rank six through I say thirteen almost any way you want. They all have day two draft capital, and you can make a case. I think to order them in any way you want because of the question marks that each of them have, right? My number seven guy is Jaden Reed. He ends up in Green Bay. Well, we don't know what Jordan Love is going to do, right? We don't know how good he's going to be. We know they have Christian Watson, who's going to be an impactful player. We know they drafted multiple tight ends. We know they have a two running back tandem that they use a lot. So I like Jaden Reed. He has he has round two draft capital, which I really like. Uh, so that's why he came next for me, but I don't see a path where he's clearly gets more opportunity or target than Josh Downs. So I kind of just still leaned on my pre-draft uh, takes, which I like Josh Downs more than Jane Reed. I like Jane Reed. I was probably higher on Jane Reed than most. I just like Josh Downs a lot and, and think he fits there well. Uh, number eight, I have Tank Dell out of Houston. Maybe some people have him a little bit further down, but I do see a scenario in Houston where he could become CJ Stroud's favorite target. I think it's wide open there. I know Nico Collins is there. I think he's more of just a guy. Uh, so if Nico Collins is just a guy, uh, Mechie's coming off of the, you know, last year, the unfortunate situation health wise for him. So we don't know how quickly he's back in the saddle. So I, I do think CJ Stroud can quickly develop a rapport uh, with Tank Dell. And I, I'm not, listen, I, I don't, 
cross guys off based on size and measurements. I think Tank Dell's a player, just like I loved Wondell Robinson last year for rookie drafts. And I think he was on his way to having a really productive year and could have been the Giants' main weapon down the stretch last year if he didn't get hurt in the passing game. Uh, so I have Tank Dell number eight. I have Rishi Rice in number nine. Now, this is the guy that might be higher. Like, if I redo this after some time, he could easily go to number six behind Jonathan Mingo. He's got better draft capital, uh, than Josh Downs and Tank Dell. He's, he's attached to the hip with Patrick Mahomes. But I, we also realize, like, the Chiefs offense, we all got excited about Sky Moore last year. And I thought Sky Moore was a better prospect than Rishi Rice. Very different. Kadarius Tony's there. At some point, I could see them still making a trade for DeAndre Hopkins during the year. I think they could very much be in the market for a wide receiver that becomes available. So I'm not going to overvalue the situation so much. I thought Rachel Rice was more of a round three type player. He went a full round higher than I thought he was. So I do think it's a scenario where the landing spot is ideal. I just gonna, I'm not going to push him up the board just because of the landing spot. A lot of people did that with Sky Moore last year. I I did not. But I'm I'm not going to fall into that trap again because I don't love the player. I like the player. Uh, and I think there's a lot to still be sorted out there in terms of that wide receiver situation in there for Kansas City. Number 10, Jalen Hyatt, who ended up with the Giants. I think his upside is higher than a couple of guys on this list. Uh, the, the scheme that Dable and Kafka are going to create, I think we could see Jalen Hyatt put up some really impressive performances just based on the talent he has right now, the speed, the vertical capabilities. He could be a very impactful fantasy player, even as he still needs to define and, and develop and refine his, his route running, his route tree. Uh, but the big playability he's going to offer, Giants aggressively moved up to get him in the early third round. Skill set, he's as, as talented as most of the wide receivers in this class. I know he was a little bit of a one a one-year wonder, but I mean, people are, are commenting a lot on, he can't do this. He can't do that. But we really don't know. He really falls into, we don't know what's in his arsenal because for why would he do anything else than what he did at Tennessee? And I think that's the part we, we have, we've started to get better at the running back, the running back landscape of not devaluing a guy so much who just wasn't asked to be a pass catcher at the NFL, at the college game when they transitioned to the NFL. I think the offense that Jalen Hyatt played in is one that we got to be very careful about saying what he can and can't do because why would they do anything else? He just won the Blinkoff Award as the best college wide receiver. He had almost 1,300 yards. They couldn't stop the Tennessee offense. The way they scheme it up creates space. So I don't, I'm not sure that we know he can't do this, this, and this, or it's more of a matter of he just wasn't asked to do it. I think there's more to the game. I think people who are overworried about like his yards after catch ability, I think that's not going to be an issue. I think I think all of a sudden we're going to see him do just fine in that guard regard when we're talking about uh, Dable and Kafka scheming things up for him. And number 11, I have Marvin Mims. I want to have him higher. I really do. And if people have him a little bit higher, I totally get it. But until I see what goes on with that Denver situation, do they trade Jerry Judy? Do they trade Corlin Sutton? Do they trade one of those guys? Uh, I also have my concerns about Russell Wilson. And can he really be the quarterback that creates multiple wide receivers that have fantasy value? But if somebody wants to have Mims ahead of Hyatt, I'm right there with you, but I can't get a, above the other guys uh, who I just think right now are going to have a little bit more immediate opportunity. But like I said, I think wide receivers six 
through 12. And my 12th guy right here, or even 6 through 13, but sit number 12 is Cedric Tillman, who ended up in Cleveland. I think he could be developed into the number two guy there behind Amari Cooper. Uh, I almost expect him to sooner rather than later. Big-bodied guy, number 13, Michael Wilson out of Arizona. He he got surprising round three draft capital. I think they're going to trade away DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, you know, so, yeah, they have, you know – they don't have a lot there, right? You know, like Hollywood Brown. But besides that, they're lacking anything after that. So if they move on from DeAndre Hopkins, there's a big opportunity there uh, that Michael Wilson could see. So for me, 6 through 12, I'm going to keep Michael Wilson at 13 because I think I, I think there's a teardrop there in talent. But 6 through 12, I can, I can see ranking them in any order. I truly believe 6 through 12 can be ranked in any order. And then Michael Wilson at 13. Go for some of these guys a little bit quicker here that stand out. Next up at number 14 was Charlie Jones. Uh, number 15, Tyler Scott, who ended up in Chicago. Number 16, Trey Tucker, who ended up with the Las Vegas Raiders. Let's stop there because those are two guys that Trey Tucker had round three draft capital. Charlie Jones and Tyler Scott had round four draft capital. I usually really hone in on the draft capital, but to me, one round marginal. And I think Trey Tucker is in an interesting spot unless they plan on trading Hunter Renfro. And that might be in the cards. They have Devontae Adams. They drafted Michael Mayer. They went out this offseason and got Jacoby Myers. Where is Trey Tucker fitting in this unless he's just going to be their fourth wide receiver and a special teams guy? And then they overdrafted. If that's the case, they severely overdrafted. But even if they move on from Hunter Renfro, it's still Devontae Adams. It's still Jacoby Myers. It's still Michael Mayer was, was drafted there. Is there a scenario where Trey Tucker even gets the opportunity to be what Hunter Renfro was, was for them? Maybe, but, but I'm not sure. So he's a little bit further down. The other two guys, you're a year away, but in a year from now, I think you could you could see Charlie Jones and Tyler Scott both being impactful fantasy guys. I think Charlie Jones is going to replace Tyler Boyd. So I think in a year from now, Tyler Boyd might be gone. Charlie Jones steps in as the third wide receiver there, adds the vertical slot capabilities to that Bengals offense. And then 15, where it had Tyler Scott, I think Darnell Mooney, this will be his last year in Chicago. They just traded the trade for DJ Moore. They, they gave up a lot to get Chase Claypool. I think those guys are locked in for a couple of years. I think Darn, Darnell Mooney is a free agent after the year. Tyler Scott is a guy who could have went round two, ends up falling to round four. I think Tyler Scott could be the guy that replaces Darnell Mooney in the year. So Charlie Jones and Tyler Scott are two guys you're going to have to have patience with, but I think you draft them this year now and you wait it out because I think next year both of those guys could could have some fancy viability for sure. Uh, after that, let me rattle off a bunch here because now we're talking all round five, round six guys. Number 17, A.T. Perry went to the Saints. Number 18, Keishon Booty to the Patriots. Number 19, Justin Shorter to Buffalo. Number 20, Puka Nakua went to the Rams. Number 21, Elijah Higgins went to Miami. It will be interesting to see. Right now, his designation is wide receiver. Does it flip over to tight end? That's going to be solely based, I think, on how Miami puts him on their depth chart and labels him you know, on their website. 22, Dontavian Wicks went to Green Bay. Number 23, Trey Palmer went to Tampa Bay. Number 24, Parker Washington went to Jacksonville. Number 25, Xavier Hutchinson went to Houston. Let's stop there. These are all round five, round six guys. I have A.T. Perry at the top because I think he's the most talented of the group. I think there's an opening there in New Orleans after Chris Olave, so maybe there's an opportunity for him to climb up and, and develop. I thought he was one of the best XY receivers in this draft class. I thought he should have been a round three guy, but he falls to round five, uh, so he he's clearly there. And I think you could even make the case to put him over Trey Tucker uh, if you're concerned that Trey Tucker is just more of a return 
offensive weapon type guy, but two round difference in draft capital. Uh, I, I put Trey Tucker ahead of him for now, but I could see myself flipping that. Kayshawn Booty, who was at 18. Listen, Patriots don't have a lot locked in at the wide receiver position. Can Bill Belichick and the Patriots pull the best out of Kayshawn Booty? I, I, it's suspect right now, but once upon a time, we thought this guy was a very talented player, uh, so I'm willing to gamble there. 19, Justin Shorter. Listen, B- Gabriel Davis did not have the year that we expected last year. Uh, Khalil Shakir was a day three rookie last year, so they have Stefan Diggs. They drafted Dalton Kincaid in round one. There's an, there's an opening there, and there's also there's also a team they could have two or three wide receivers be productive, even though I think one, one of those spots is going to probably be taken by Dalton Kincaid, even though he's lined up as a tight end. But I, I, I do see a scenario where maybe Justin Shorter is an, an intriguing flyer in Dynasty Leagues. And Puka Nakua is really a bet against the depth chart in the Rams, right? They have Cooper Cup, but what else do they really have there? So that might be an opening there, and they're really kind of – hitting the rebuild reload button due to Rams. Think about trading Cooper cup to kind of aid in that. He's a little bit of, he was an older prospect when he came into the league, they might see a scenario where if we can get a round one pick or we can get a, a one and a four for Cooper cup, do they pull the trigger on that and, and, you know, trade him, trade Matthew Stafford. If he wants to go play somewhere else, I don't think it's crazy that they could, they can blow it up there at some point, trade cup, trade Aaron Donald. And then there might be a guy like Puka really can have an opportunity there. Uh, Elijah Higgins, we'll see about the, the designation. I think that'll be, you know, that'll be, that'll be an interesting one. Green Bay now has a lot of pieces there. So we'll see about Dontavian Wicks. Uh, you know, so Dontavian Wicks was at number 22. Trey Palmer was 23. Parker Washington, 24. Xavier Hutchinson, 25. Andrea Sovitz was 26 out of Cincinnati. To me, Palmer is the most interesting one because of his big playability, former five-star recruit. I love the explosiveness, the athleticism, but obviously right now Mike Evans, Chris Godwin kind of locked in there. Uh, we're talking flyers now on guys. Parker Washington maybe could become a slot wide receiver for Jacksonville. Xavier Hutchinson, you know, thrown into the mix there with Houston. Isovitz, you know, maybe if T. Higgins was to leave, Andrea Sovitz could have an opportunity down the line, but we're talking about a seventh round guy. Odds are very low. I do want to mention number 27, Darius Davis to the Chargers. You know, he had decent draft capital in the fourth round, but I think he's a return guy. I don't see a lot, a path where he's going to be a guy who plays a lot on offense unless it's like jet sweeps, manufactured touches. So keep an eye on him. Uh, he's out on a 27 for me and then rounded out 28 there. The Mario Douglas, 29, Ronnie Bell, number 30, Antoine Green, number 31, Colton Dowell, number 32, Jalen Brooks, and number 33, Grant DeBoe. If we take this to the tight end position, tight end position, number one, clearly Dalton Kincaid, uh, to me, separate tier there for him in terms of fantasy value now moving forward. Number two, Michael Mayer uh, with the Raiders. Number three, Sam Laporta to the Lions. Let's stop there for a second because Kincaid is in his own tier. Talked about he could develop into the number two option there for Buffalo. Uh, Mayer and Laporta can go either way. Both have big openings there. Both will be starters. Uh, we talked already about all the weapons that the, the Raiders have. Uh, Lions are a good team too. A lot of pieces there. Uh, I think those are interchangeable. I, I, I kind of just fell back on my, my pre-draft rankings that like Mayer a little bit more than Laporta. Uh, but if somebody wants to flip-flop them and go Laporta to Mayer three, I think that's totally acceptable. I'm sure a bunch of people will have it that way. Uh, number four, I have Luke Musgrave, who anybody who's been listening to the SS knows how much I love Luke Musgrave on talent, on film. I thought he was my the, he was my number one tight end. I thought he had the highest ceiling. Still think that. But what, what kind of puts him there is there's some development needed. But the, the, the drafting of Tucker Craft also, 
you know, if there was no Tucker Craft drafted, Musgrave would probably be my number two even right now after Dalton Kincaid because I'd still be betting on that upside. But now that there's another really talented tight end who was drafted, you know, at, after him. It's a, it's a tricky spot because now we're talking about, you know, they drafted two tight ends within a round of each other. You know, so now who knows how it plays out? Who knows who gets the opportunity? So it, it's a tough spot. So I have Musgrave four because I still do love the upside. I have Tucker Craft six. So I kind of have them close together right now to kind of see how this plays out. Uh, but I do love both the talents. And then I have Luke Schoonmaker right in the middle because I do think he's going to step in and become a starter there. Very similar in a Dalton Schultz type way. I think he is a guy who really rose in the pre-draft process. He's a really good blocker. So he's going to be on the field a lot of snaps, but I think he's got, he's a decent receiver as well. And I think he plays and wins very similar to a guy like Dalton Schultz. So right now I have Luke Schoonmaker, maybe somebody has craft ahead of him or Brenton Strange. Uh, but, but I think the way the Dallas tight ends have won in the past. If Shoemaker gets an opportunity to be the guy, I think he could develop into that down the line. And Tucker Craft, I don't really know what to do with. I mean, I could go back to back him and Musgrave four or five and kind of see what happens there. It's a tough spot there. Uh, I think they're going to fall hard in drafts. And for that reason, I'm going to try to scoop up Luke Musgrave wherever I can because I think people are going to have their concerns. I still think the cream will already eventually rise to the top, and I just love the upside too much. So I'm going to try to get my hands on him, but but he's going to fall, and he's going to fall hard in rookie drafts because people are going to have question marks about what to make of this, right? It's the same thing that time when Baltimore took Hayden Hurst in round one and Mark Andrews in round three, right? People didn't really know what to make of it. Uh, similar approach here. I did have Brenton Strange in number seven. Listen, if Evan Ingram stays on the roster, you know, more than this year, I know they gave him the franchise tag, but if he stays there beyond this year, Brendan Strange doesn't have a lot of value. It's just, it's just the way it is. But if you think he's the replacement for, for Evan Ingram in terms of being their starting tight end, then maybe there's some value had there. He does have the draft capital to get every opportunity to be their long-term starter. Cameron Latou was a little bit of a surprise round repick, but there's an opening there for him to be the starter uh, in Tampa Bay sooner rather than later. Darnell Washington falling to day three due to medicals was, was kind of heartbreaking as a guy we thought could go round one. Uh, now he's he's in a situation where they have a really good young tight end and Pat Fryer moved. He was not that developed. You know, there, there was already talk of him being a great blocker. And now how do we play this situation now? It's going to be interesting. Uh, Will Mallory, number 10. Uh, Josh Wiley, number 11 to Tennessee. Tw- uh, number 12, Payne Dorham went to Tampa. From that group, Wiley and Mallory are in situations that maybe they can rise to the top of their depth charts, but you know, there's other guys in place. there, good young players who are already locked in there. So it'd be interesting to kind of see how those guys do 13 Davis Allen to the Rams, 14 Zach Kuntz to the Jets, 15 brain Willis to San Francisco. Zach Kuntz is interesting due to the athletic profile, but you know, the Jets went out last off season and, and signed two free agents and they have a lot of pass catcher and wide receivers that are very talented. Uh, so, and he was a seventh round pick. So he's down the board. I'm not going to go for my whole big board, but I will say this in super flex leagues. I have Anthony Richardson as one, 1.01 followed by B John followed by Bryce Young and CJ Stroud before we get to Jameer Gibbs. That's what my top five looks like. Then I go into some of the wide receivers before Dalton Kincaid is mixed in before guys like Quinton Johnson, Jonathan Mingo, Kendra Miller, Devin A chain. Uh, if it was non super flex, then obviously B John would be at the top for me followed by Jameer Gibbs. I do think after, B. John and, and Jameer Gibbs, even if it was a one quarterback league, I think I would have Anthony Richardson third. I still believe the upside and talent, I'd have him over the, any of the wide receivers. So even if it was non-super flex, I think the top of my ranks would go B. John Robinson one, 
Uh, Jameer Gibbs, two, if it was a PPR league, followed by Anthony Richardson, three. If it was not a PPR league, I might even have Anthony Richardson, number two, so I might just flip it, but that depends on if it's full PPR, I'd have Jameer Gibbs ahead of Anthony Richardson. Uh, obviously, if you're following on uh, YouTube, you can see my big board there. I'm also going to put it out there on Twitter as well. So there it is, guys, my initial Dynasty rookie rankings, uh, right 24 hours, less than 24 hours after the draft. I'm sure I will tweak it and, and move things around. That 6 through 12 in the wide receivers, I think, are very interchangeable. Uh, based on Alvin Kamara news, maybe Devin A-Chain ahead of Kendra Miller. That's another thing that I could see flip-flopping uh, as well. But the, the process now has started. Now we, we adjust, we tinker, you know, and we see through, from now uh, throughout the drafting season for Dynasty Rookie Drafts. So if you're a fan of this, if you're a fan of the work I've been putting on Twitter, please get over to the website ssfootball.com. It's the fastest and easiest way to get there. It is still not too late to buy the premium notebooks. You get our rankings notebook with all these rankings. Every change I make, every update I make, you'll be you'll have access to it. Uh you get the draft projections notebook, which even though the draft is passed, it still has a snapshot on over 400 players uh, in terms of how they win and developmental areas. And you also get the scouting notebook with our detailed uh, scouting reports on all the top offensive prospects in this draft, close to 100 of them as well. Uh, best way to support the show and help us continue to do what we do here. So on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nakano and myself, Thank you for joining us, and we look forward next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday.